Are you guys in hope? Yes. All right, we're in a series called Hope 2. And I'm going to start off this morning in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, reading this out of the Passion Translation. Um, he says this, Meanwhile, brothers and sisters, we must be patient and filled with expectation as we wait for the appearing of the Lord. Think about the farmer who has to patiently wait for the earth's harvest as it ripens because the, of the early and latter rains. Verse 8, So you also keep your hopes high and be patient, for the presence of the Lord is drawing closer. Since each, par- each of you are part of God's family, never complain or grumble about each other. Amen. So that judgment will not come on you, for the true judge is near and very ready to appear. So I was reading that this week. It was just actually Dane and I were reading it in our devotion, and I was just thinking about hope. And there's, there's dreams that God puts in our heart, and, and that's hope. That's hope for the future. But as Christians, never lose sight of the fact that we have a hope that goes beyond this world. And that we have a reality that awaits us on the other side, and it's heaven. And sometimes we don't talk about that enough, you know, whatever, but, but I'll tell you what, it's real. And it, 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 it makes us live in a place that's, that's, that's bigger than where we're at right now, okay? Because there's a lot out there for us that we haven't even, we haven't even imagined yet. Uh, so, you know, what is the dream in your heart? What's God put in you? You know, I, I would hope that as we've been talking about this in this series, that, that uh, we've brought some focus, God's brought some focus in our hearts about hope that he's put in us. You know, not confusion, not fear, actually dreams in, inside you that are probably bigger than you have the ability to make happen in yourself. See, that's how God does it. He puts things in you that, that we're going to be dependent on him to bring forth. And uh, honestly, there's, there's a word that, that God spoke to me recently. You know, it's funny. This is what happens. Sometimes God will speak a word to me, and, and I'll text myself that word. You know, anybody ever do that? I found myself this week, you know, getting a word again and going to text myself and looking in my feed of past texts and realized that I was texting myself the same message that God had already spoke to me. I don't know what that says. Don't go too deep, okay? But, but the, the word that, that I texted myself more than once is this word, obey. Huh. Obey. So if I did nothing else today, I figure we've had a full meal. Micah did such a good job with communion. I love that. Just good. My mission is just to tell you this. You know, it's good to have hope. And, and I, I, again, I took this whole series, and, and the, the emphasis we've, we've had is the importance of hope. And I've realized that, that sometimes, you know, in teaching on faith, you know, I've probably neglected to bring out the importance of hope. And that hope is a gift from God. Hope is something that God puts in your heart to enable you to go the long haul. But what makes hope alive and what gives power to your hope 
is by simply obeying the vision in your heart. Okay? You see, when, when hope is on the inside of us to this, this extent that, that, that it's real in you, you know, and it, it actually prompts some action, you see, obeying that hope, acting on that hope, it really releases the power of God in your life. Many times, when it comes time to make that action move, you know, it seems like, like hope is at its farthest place and everything is standing, everything is screaming, you know, between me and hope. But I'm telling you that when you take those steps to obey what's in your heart, it releases the power of God in your life. Are you out there today? So here's a question. How, how can I act on the hope that's in my heart right now? Many times I'll have a, a hope, I'll have a dream in, on the inside of me that's percolating. Sometimes it goes there for a while before I even tell Dana. And then I'll tell Dana about it. And, you know, we just pray about things. Sometimes, I mean, I mean there's differences, you know. Sometimes you get a word and, man, you got to act right now. I've had that kind of word too, you know, like move. Sometimes, though, in the long haul, the big scheme of things, you know, God will start speaking to me about things in advance. But then there comes a time to act. And, and uh, you know, he gives you steps to act it out. It isn't like you've got to act the end before you've acted the beginning. You know, it's kind of like that analogy of climbing a ladder, you know. You know, you don't, he doesn't call you to jump to the last rung. He says, take the first rung and, and start moving. You know, rung the steps on a ladder. You see, when you act on the hope that's on the inside of you, it affects you, but it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. Because when you start acting and obeying God in line with the hope that's on the inside of you, it releases this, this power that, that definitely has an effect on me, but it changes people around you as well. Just the simplest thing I can think of is just when you got born again and you acted on, on, on that, that hope that, that, that God loves me and I acted on that. And I tell you what, it, 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 it began to affect the people around you. I remember the people that were closest around me when I got born again, it seemed like my action caused them to run. But you see, I've had this great advantage of living a while. And I see back now that, that actually it, 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 it sparked something. And people began to, to, to see God in a new light. All right, James 1, 21. I'm going to read verses 21 through 25, James chapter 1. And I'm reading this out of the New King James, at least for most of it. And this is probably familiar, but let's listen to it. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We could talk the whole service about that very thing. You know, get rid of anything that's standing in your way, okay? And allow the word that's in you to, to change you. You know, one of the things that the word does when it gets in you, the first thing that starts changing that I notice is my, the way I think, you know? And that's the process of a Christian, getting our heads to think like our hearts, okay? Getting our heads to think like God thinks. 
Verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So James says this, that if we aren't taking these steps to, uh, to do the word, if we're not taking these steps to act and obey the hope that's in us, and we're only hearers, you know, we're petting a dream, but we're not doing anything about it, he says we're opening ourselves up for deceit, okay? We're opening ourselves up to, to uh, you know, live a lie, okay? It says in verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So, Doing, obeying the word, obeying the hope that God's given you, it brings clarity to who you even are, okay? Verse 25, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So I'm talking about how to activate the power of God into the dreams that he's given you, okay? You know, the first thing maybe you do is you, you might just, you got this dream in your heart, it's bigger than you are, it came from heaven, you got peace about it inside. Sometimes you'll have peace inside, but your head will give you fits. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay? But, but the way you bring that thing into reality, the way you think that, that you bring the power of God into it is you start maybe asking them, how do I act on this? What is it you want me to do, God? How can I take a step in the direction that you're, 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 you're painting this picture before me, but what do I do to step into it? How do I, how do I even do this? The Clarence Jordan, I'll just read this one because I liked it. Is verse 25 of, of James 1. He says, But one, when one takes a good look at the mature idea of freedom and hangs on through thick and thin, not being a wishy-washer here, but a man of action, such a person will be really happy in his work. So James says this, as you start grabbing hold of the things of God, the things that are in your heart, and start taking a step towards them, I tell you, it's going to produce some joy. It's going to produce, he said, happiness. You know, I like that. I like being, how many like being happy over being bummed out, you know? And uh, probably a good word to use would be joy. God will give you joy, you know? Uh, praise God. Dana's been walking around in this, this thing God told her. She's got a gift of faith, a gift of, you know, the, and the way it's coming out is joy. And, and it's kind of funny, you know? It seems like she finds joy in the most unusual things, you know? And, and things that maybe don't seem that, 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 you know, impactful. I mean, she's looking out the window the other day at the snow that was lying on top of our trees. And all of a sudden, she's all giddy. You know, and if I didn't know better, I thought she was, she was puffing something she shouldn't, you know. But, 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 you know, God made it clear to her that she's got a gift of faith and the, the fruit of it is this joy, you know, that it's not something she's doing. You know, and she, she actually laid hands on me yesterday and, and uh, breaking through my hardness and, and uh, cracking in some joy, too. So anyway, it's good. All right. So let's look at Luke 6 for a minute. I'm talking about acting out what God has breathed into your heart. You with me this morning? I guess I'm kind of going deep with this stuff and that, 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 I mean, there's, there's things that, I mean, sometimes you think about hope and maybe it's a short-term thing, you know, something that's just out there in the near future. But I'm looking at the big scope of life. 
I'm looking about what God has put us here on earth for. You know, I'm, I'm talking about heaven. I'm talking about realities of, of, of heaven. I'm talking about, you know, your, your, your whole course as a human being. And, and, you know, I remember being a missionary in Haiti. Seems like I was a kid back then, and, and uh, I guess I was. But uh, I remember somebody coming up to me on a mission trip because we'd have teams that would come down and visit the ministry and help us, you know, do what God's called us to do. Thank God we, we had, you know, skilled people that would come down on teams and, you know, build our house and do different things but, uh, and go preach too. But uh, I remember one guy came up to me just kind of like, wow. He was just kind of one of these, wow, man, it must be so cool. To know God's plan for your life. And, you know, I, I, I figured out right away what he was talking about is that I was a missionary in Haiti and, and, and uh, looked like I had my whole life figured out in his eyes. And I remember I quickly grabbed him and I said, look, you know, it never ends. I'm always asking God, what's the next step? And, you know, now it seems so strange because that was just a blip on the screen. You know, a couple years we were there, but, but in that guy's eyes, our whole life was defined by that, but God is continually taking you down a trail. And sometimes you wonder, how does this all fit together? But I'll tell you what, as you keep going, it makes sense. I've had times in my life where I've had a hope on the inside of me, and it didn't seem like God was moving fast enough. I won't ask for hands. But, but, but I, remember, I remember sitting there thinking, how does this work out? How, what am I supposed to do here? This seems like it doesn't even fit. And then I go a little further a few years later, and I look back, and I think, wow. I see what you were doing now, God. I see that there was things that you were building into me that, that, that I needed at the time, and I need now. And, and uh, there was people I even resented in my life. That don't, again, I won't ask for hands. I remember a time where, where I was just stuck in this place, it seemed like, and I couldn't go to the next place, and I was asking God, how do I get there? And there were people that just kind of bugged me. And I remember getting out to the next place and looking back and having that reality and seeing, wow, that's, that's, that's what you were doing, God. I had to call some of them people up and say, wow, do you know God was using you? Do you know that, that, that man, what you did was so important? What you put into my life changed me. And I'm seeing the fruit of it now. Luke 6, though. Look at that. Luke 6. So obeying God, acting on the dream in your heart, acting on hope releases his power in your life. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a man here. I'm just going to quickly go to this story, and then we'll move on to the Apostle Paul and talk about him for a minute. But in Luke 6, there's this man. In verse 6, it says, it happened on, on another Sabbath, also that he, and talking about Jesus, Jesus entered the synagogue and he taught there. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Thank God Facebook wasn't around back then. Anyway, and he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And the man arose and he stood. And Jesus said to them, I ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? And when he looked, at all, uh, looked all around at them, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. 
So, so you know, I was just thinking about the guy. I think about this guy acting on, on this word. I'm sure that, that he knew about Jesus. You know, most people there probably had heard of him. The Pharisees certainly had. They're, they're watching him like a hawk to see if he's going to do something that they can accuse him. And this man, he comes here. He's got a need. And to him, Jesus is like the hope. He's like, wow, I've heard this guy's raised the dead. He's fed the multitudes, you know, whatever else he had done before Luke chapter 6. I'm not actually sure at the moment. But he'd done enough things that it caused a stir. And this man, probably in his own situation, was like, wow, this guy could bring life to my withered hand. But, you know, it's, it's somehow it's different when you get called out, when God calls you to act. Sometimes, you know, we would think, you know, looking back at this story, you know, would maybe do it a little more dramatically. We might stand up and say, yes, Lord, it's me. I'm the one you're here for. Heal my hand. But, you know, probably in reality, he's sitting there going, who, me? Are you talking to me, Jesus? Are you telling me to stand up in the midst of the crowd? Are you telling me to lift up my hand? I'm sure you're talking to somebody else. I mean, there must be somebody else with a withered hand. I'm just going to hide mine because I don't want anybody to see it. And that's probably the thought the guy could have had in this situation. It's certainly the kind of thoughts I've had when God's called me to act. I'm telling you about mental things that can go on. Some people have had this kind of thought. And they've thought, if it's really God, I wouldn't be dealing with this kind of stuff. Let me tell you what, if it's really God, there's going to be some opposition in your head. There's going to be some things that try to keep you from acting in the fullness that God's called you to do, okay? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I feel like when we get to heaven, if God shows us videos, it might even be kind of a, a, a bummer because we would, we would look back and say, wow, I could have acted with so much more boldness. I could have acted with so much more God authority in that situation, but there was some timidity because I wasn't quite sure. Anyway, just just a thought, you know. But but um, thank God this guy acted on what Jesus had birthed in him, and he he reached out. You see, you'd think, well, just Jesus in the room that was enough. Thank God he is enough. But somehow in this whole scheme, he wants us to act. And when we act on the word that he's given us, there's power in that. It isn't always going to seem logical in your head. But I'm telling you what, when you act on what God's shown you, you're going to see his hand move in your life. All right, so the next thing and the last thing I really want to talk about today, again, I was sitting there in our living room, sitting in my chair. Does everybody have their chair in their house? I mean, I was sitting in my chair. Uh, you know, it's winter. I've even got a little blanket. Dana's got a blanket there for me. I, I must be aging because I never used to have blankets. I used to make fun of Dana for her blankets. And now I've come to the point where I think, yeah, they're kind of good. I like those blankets. They're all right. I used to never put the winter lining in my coat. I do that now. But uh, I was sitting there, again, minding my own business, and, and God spoke a word to me. It was similar to the one that he'd, he'd already uh, spoken, and I couldn't even, you know, sometimes I just know exactly the scripture that he's telling me, but I actually had to Google it because I wasn't quite sure where. I knew approximately, but I didn't know where it was, and I wasn't quite sure if I heard him right. But uh, the, the, what came to my mind was, was where the Apostle Paul, and I knew he was talking to some authorities and 
But he stood up and he said something to the effect that he obeyed the heavenly vision. That's what came into my, my, my thinking. And I thought, oh, that's like a scripture. It's even talking about obedience. Thank you, God. Oh, wow, yeah. But I Googled it and I found it is in Acts 26, around verse 19. And, and I'll just read you that one to start with. But in Acts uh, 26, 19... Sorry, media department. I'm probably goofing up the notes here. But you can go there. There's a New King James Version. And, and Paul said this. He said, uh, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so this is at a, a latter time in Paul's life. But he sums it all up in this, this, this word to the king. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So one, Paul had a vision that came from God. He had a vision that came from God that directed his life. There was like a word from heaven to Paul that gave him a, a general idea of what his purpose was here on the earth. And at towards the end of his life, as he stands before someone in great authority, probably holds the power of life or death over him, Paul stood up before him and said, Listen, King, he said, respectfully, he said, King Agrippa, he said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I just thought about that, and I thought, wow, that's what I want to do at the end of my life, which is down the road a ways, okay? But, but uh, I want to be able to stand up and say, hey, I was not disobedient to what God spoke to me. I, I, I saw the dream. I saw the hope. And do we make mistakes? Yeah. You know what? God lets you make mistakes. He doesn't squash you because you make a mistake. He's there to pick you up. Okay? But, but to be able to say, I heard from heaven. There was a dream that God put in my heart. And I obeyed that. Don't you want to say that? And like I said in the beginning, when God puts a dream in your heart and you're faithful to walk it out, you obey that dream, it releases his power on you, but it, it, it tell you, it, it, gets, it gets ushy, gushy, messy because it hits people around you. I believe that as Paul stood in the presence of the king that day, and, and, you know, I'll read it in a minute, you know, so we'll get up to, to where we were here. But, but I believe that what Paul, his actions, I believe it brought the power of God to such a place that, that it even affected the king as he stood there and said, hey, I had a heavenly vision and I obeyed it. So previous to this, you know, if you went back, I'm not going to read these. But just to give you some, some, some context, in Acts 23, you know, Paul's speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. There, was, there were a couple groups of religious people, okay? And they, they believed different things. And Paul threw out a question that caused a controversy, and it caused a big dispute, and it actually divided the crowd. And, and um, there was chaos, and, and things happened from there. Uh, Jesus appeared to Paul and told him that he was going to testify in Rome. In that group, there was like 40 people that, that were in that group that got, got upset when Paul started asking questions. And they actually made a pact. They said they weren't going to eat until they could see Paul be killed. And that's, that's severe. Nobody's done that to me this week, you know. 
I mean, we, you know, sometimes we, we, we need to put things in perspective, you know. We get upset about minor things, but, but here Paul was. People were, you know, taking oaths, fasting until they, you know, no Twinkies until they see Paul dead. Wow. I mean, that's, that's tough. I don't eat Twinkies either. But, but anyway, and then Paul is taken to the governor whose name was Felix, and he's actually held for a couple of years. And in, in that time, in Acts 24, Paul pleads his case with Felix, the governor. And then, then a new governor takes office. His name is Festus, you know. And, and, and Paul pleads his case to him. And, and while, while doing this, in this time that this guy Festus is in charge, the king visits Festus to welcome in his new position. And, and that's King Agrippa. And he wants to hear from Paul himself. So then... Um, Pick it up in Acts twenty, Acts twenty six. Ah, let me read this before I do that. Can I read this to you? First Peter three verse fifteen in the Message Bible. Through thick and thin, thin, keep your hearts at attention, in adoration before Christ your Master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. So maybe that's a question. Why are we living the way we are? What is it that motivates us? Why are we doing the things we do? Why are we getting up, you know, and, and, and every day and doing what we do? What is it? And always, with utmost courtesy, um, keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing they're the ones that need a bath. You know, as you obey God, people will throw mud at you. Everybody won't get it. But when the dust settles, God will cause you to rise up and be on top. Okay? Don't get upset. Somebody says something bad to you on social media, it's okay. You know, don't go burn them at the stake or anything like that. Don't unfriend them even, unless God shows you whatever. Um, but but uh, you know what? Keep your eyes fixed where they need to be. What's motivating you? What causes you to do the things you're doing? Is it the heavenly vision? Is it the visit? Is it uh, the, the things that God is putting in your heart? Is it the dream that was birthed by Him? Be able to say at the end of it all, hey, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So let me just read this. I don't have much more. Hang on. I feel like I'm telling you what God showed me this week. And that's always safe. It's always best. Agrippa said to Paul in verse 1, you're permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. Somehow I just, verse 2 always strikes me. He says, I think myself happy. Where are your thoughts taking you today? I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself because you, before you concerning all the things that I'm accused of by the Jews, especially uh, because you're an expert in all the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, all the Jews know, they, they, they knew me first, from the first, and if they're willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So that's how Paul lived as a youth, as a young man. He was a Pharisee to the strictest sect. He was a letter of the law guy. 
But now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise of, made by God to our fathers. To this promise are twelve tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. Why should it be, or why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This also did I in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue, compelling them to blaspheme and ex being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. And at midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven that was shining brighter uh, than the sun. And those around me, those... those uh, in, uh, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we'd fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said to him, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness of both of things that which you've seen and things which yet I will reveal to you. I was just thinking, though, how, what an example of someone failing in life. Paul was going around and he was the exact opposite of God, what God really intended for him. You know? And, and, and it gives me hope that, that even if I've gone the wrong way at times, God is so big and so merciful that he can show up on my road to Damascus and make it so clear that there's no way I could miss it. I'm, how clear is that? Well, a light shining brighter than the noonday sun. That's light at its brightest in the natural realm. But somehow God superseded that to such a degree that Paul, and not only Paul, but all the people with them fell off their donkeys. I mean, that's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. I remember T.L. and Daisy Osborne. A couple, you know, again, these people are in heaven. But, but you know, when I was growing up in Christian, you know, getting my teeth uh, sinking into the, the, some, some, some people that had done exploits for God back in the day. T.L. Osborne came to the top of the list. I mean, this guy was uh, a person that was out there preaching to half a million people at a time and seeing people healed. You know, the, we'd see movies of him in school and, and there'd be people that would be crippled. They'd throw them on the stage and they'd get resurrected, healed, and run off the stage. Crutches would just go flying. There were so many people to pray for, he had to devise a new way to pray for people. He couldn't lay hands on them one by one, so he'd just speak to the masses, and, and they'd just be, it would be radical. But, but in his, his journey, he went to preach the first time in, I think it was India or some, some country, and he came back so defeated that he was going to give up the ministry because he didn't see anything happen that, that was according to the dream in his heart. And Jesus actually walked into his bedroom one night with, with him and Daisy and, 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 ha and revealed himself to him, changed his life, set him on course, and he went, went out and just did the things that, that, you know, I'd watch movies about. I wonder if you could find him on YouTube now. Anyway, it wasn't even so much what he said, but it was how God showed up. It's not always about who we are so much. It's about God showing up when we need him. Isn't that, isn't that, boy, I tell you. So Paul was going the exact opposite way, but God was able to set him straight. Um, where did I leave off? Verse 15. 
Yeah, anyway, he said, so I, who are you, Lord, Paul said. He said, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. Rise up and stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things that you've seen and the things which I'll yet reveal to you. I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So here's the vision he gives them. I'm sending you to these people, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So in that initial encounter that Paul had with Jesus on the road to Damascus, this is the very hope that, that was breathed into him, that directed his whole life. I've been sent to get Jews and non-Jews, this revelation that'll change them, that'll transform their lives and turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. That was, that was as simple as it was. That was the vision that God had given him from the very get-go. At the end of his days, he stood there and said, I wasn't disobedient to that heavenly vision. I lived my life with purpose according to that. Verse 28 of Acts 26 says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both uh, almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. So he didn't magnify the chains. Let me tell you what, don't overhang on to the chains. Anything that, that didn't come from Jesus, I'm telling you, don't make it a pet in your life. Okay, don't, don't paint the chains and make them cool. No, get rid of them. Paul said, I want you to be exactly like what, what I am, except I don't want you to have chains. Now, his were physical chains. He doesn't want God into any kind of chains that hold you back. Let me just finish with this. What are we talking about? We're talking about having a hope. We're talking about obeying the hope. Another way I could say it is this, acting on the hope that's in you. It may not be a huge leap in the beginning, but he'll show you steps you can take. In accordance, you know, with, with, with a hope like Paul's where you're going to see people turn from darkness to light, it's probably the people around you. You just begin to, to show them the light. You begin to show them. And as doors open up, you take the opportunities and you tell them what it is that makes you tick, what it is that causes you to have purpose in life. Isaiah 119, I just wanted to read this because it was an obey scripture that just came to me this week too. It says, if you have a willing heart, this is the Passion Translation, Isaiah 119. If you have a willing heart to let me help you, and if you'll obey me, you'll feast on the, on the blessings of an abundant harvest. You'll feast on the blessings of abundant harvest. So I'll finish by saying this. God does have a plan for each and every one of you. And the plan that God has for you is unique to you, okay? Don't try to compare it with your neighbor, you know? That isn't, that isn't how it rolls. God will use you, who you are, where you are, how you, how you are. He'll take you and he'll, he has a purpose for you. Let him show you that and let him show you how to step out and act, obey what's in your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for every person here.
No one is excluded. Here, people watching online, make the dream real. Shine brighter in our lives than the noonday sun. Make it so clear that we couldn't miss it if we tried. And then, Father, show us the steps to take. Show us how to act on what you've put inside us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. All right, I got some questions for the week. Number one, what's the hope in my heart? You know, just let God show you. Don't, don't try to force it, but let him, let him make it clear to you, a portion of it. Many times it's a glimpse. It's not the full thing, but you see a glimpse of something. What's number two? What steps can I take to obey what it is that God's showing me? How do I act on it? He might tell you to sit on it for a while, but in, in itself, that's acting. But let him show you. And three, what would it hurt for me to obey God? You know how I ask myself that all the time? Sometimes I get a little impression, you know, like, you know, it might be as simple as raise your hands right now, or we're in worship, or it might be to dance or to, to, to kneel or something. And, you know, God starts stirring it. Does he do this with you? It kind of gets in here and it kind of churns a little bit. You know what I ask a lot of times? What would it hurt if I obeyed him? Wouldn't cause anything dis be disrupted. It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't bring danger to anybody. In the long scheme of it, is it really going to hurt anything? I ask myself that question. It gives me the freedom to obey him, okay? Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.